Today we're going to talk about one thing that I think can help your sales, your delivery, and your marketing all in one hit, right? All in one swoop. Okay, if you've been in business for a little while, you may or may not already have this in place. If you're new, then and still moving into the market and sort of progressing with your business or your idea development, then this can be a really powerful thing to think about so that it makes your sales marketing delivery a lot easier as well. Okay, so this is John Marsh. Thanks for jumping in. Let's get started. So a few years ago, I reached out to a guy in the States to help me to learn handstands. This was like 2017, maybe 2016. I was down at the gym in Melbourne. We owned a gym down there. And I was learning, I was starting to learn this thing called a one-arm handstand. And basically, once you've learned a two-arm handstand and you've kind of played with that for a while, you can choose if you want to kind of progress and try to learn and to do it on one arm. Uh, it sounds like it's, you know, just a little bit harder than the two arm, but there's a lot behind it. And there's a lot of different ways of thinking in terms of how you set up your programming, how you build the strength to be able to do it, how you, you know, train the flexibility for it. So it's pretty complicated. And usually you want to talk to somebody who's been there before and who knows a little bit more about the journey before you just start throwing yourself into it. So I reached out to this guy in the States. His name is Steve Atlas, really cool guy, and decided to work with him. So I I worked with him for six months and got the program for the handstand. And the way it kicked off was we set up and we did the call and he asked me kind of where I was at. And then he wanted me to film specific movements and send them over to him so that he could get some insight as to where I was in my journey. So fast forward a few months and I'm doing these workouts, these handstand sets that Steve had programmed for me. He said, okay, well, you're gonna do this number of sets, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you can rest a little bit, and then Friday, Saturday, you're gonna go hard. So this was kind of my training for a little while. And uh, this was a great example of what we're gonna talk about today, the way that Steve and others set up his delivery, right? And what he used is a framework or a model, okay? And we're gonna talk a little bit about models today just quickly because this is the one thing that you can use to really help you with your delivery, your sales, and your marketing as well. So in small business, when we're not clear, things get really difficult right? could be in our communication. It could be in who our ideal client is. It could be in our delivery or our sales. As soon as things start to get complex and it takes more energy for the client or for you, the, the, the creator, to deliver, it creates friction. And if there's too much uncertainty, the prospect or the client would prefer to walk away with nothing than to be confused or to feel confused, okay? So this is one of the key drivers behind this idea of frameworks and models. 
And um, there's many others, and we're going we're gonna to talk about them quickly because this one's super powerful. So uh, the model itself, the thing to remember is this is an approximation, right? It's a framework. Uh, it's, a, it's an idea or something that we've created in the mind to approximate what's actually happening with our client or in our service or in a particular process. It's not the actual thing. Having said that, it can be really helpful. Having this approximation or a starting point can really power up your delivery, your marketing, your sales. So one great example of this is I did a training session with a guy who I had worked with in 2020, so a previous client, and I trained with him last Monday. And I was asking them how they're going, and they, they did very well through 2020, had a record year, uh, and they're in a business that had direct uh, lockdown implications because it's a face-to-face -face client business, but still had a, had a record year, and they really crushed it. They take a lot of action. And, and I was asking him how it's going, and he said uh, that one thing that they've changed, and this is, they, they don't work with me anymore. They've changed this on their own one new development that they've made this year is that they've taken their client uh, journey model, which was an approximation that one of the owners had created years ago and had used behind the scenes and used sort of in the back end. And he had taken this client journey model and he brought it out into the open. He started to talk to prospects or clients about this. And he's in the health and wellness business, but basically this allowed him to show to the client where they were at in this journey and what they could expect coming up in the next three, four, five, or six sessions and give this sort of map, right? This sort of overview, which is not an exact science. It's not exactly what's the case, but it's a way of seeing where they're at. And one thing that he said was once he brought this out to the open and shared it with his colleagues, straight away, some of his colleagues were able to increase their sales by 50 to 60% for clients who were looking to rebook into the one-to-one -one service. The main reason behind this is because some of the colleagues all of a sudden had a lot of certainty around the client journey and they felt far more comfortable in the sales process and of course, the client who's also part of the sales process felt lots more comfortable as well. So really powerful, and these can have a direct impact on your bottom line, right? If we take the model out, what we had previously was still the ability to do the same sales process, but the colleague was searching for a framework or had to sort of articulate their own version of the framework to the client or um, create something on the spot that sounded right and it wasn't as powerful, right? So it's, it's really important to have these things in there but also bring them out into the open. So the model is not the real thing. It's a map, not the territory. Let's run through an example and we can see what we mean by this word, this idea of the model, of the framework. And um, you'll be able to see how you can implement it into whatever it is that you do in your service business, right? So let's stick with this handstand idea because even if you've never done a handstand, you can, you'll can you be able to 
walk through it with me and it'll be something that's kind of familiar to everybody. So say you're teaching somebody to do a handstand, right? Say you're the teacher and your service business is helping somebody get from nowhere, so no handstand, into a 30-second freestanding handstand, right? And there's people out there. This is their service more or less. So this is what you do. You take a person who's interested in health and wellness and training who wants to do a handstand and you take them from zero to five, right? Which is they can do a 30-second balance. Okay, cool. So this is a complicated journey. There's a lot of stuff going on. They've got to have the strength and the mobility and the wrists. They've got to understand their positioning. They've got to, you know, overcome the fear, be able to kick up, have the endurance and the strength and the balance. There's kind of a lot happening. So when you get into the conversation with someone, you know, you're trying to break this all down into that sales conversation or the enrollment piece. What if we had a model to break it down really simply and nice and clear so that you could picture that journey in your mind? You would know roughly how long this might take for this particular client uh, on, a, on a rolling average, you know, based off of previous clients. And you could share that insight with them, right? Again, you don't have the exact accurate representation of it. You don't have the territory, you've just got a map. But what if we could have a helpful map to guide us, right? It makes it a lot easier. So let's break down what this model could look like. Straight away, we know that we need to be able to balance on our hands. So we need to open up the wrists and we could say that the first stage of the model could be wrist, shoulder, and other joint preparation and positioning, okay? So we need to have the health and the range in these joints and know kind of what the position looks like in these joints for us to be able to do the handstand. Maybe that takes three sessions together on average based on the last 20 people that we've served. Cool, we get to set up the first section of the model. Let's call it section one, wrist, joint and, uh, wrist shoulder and joint prep and positioning. Cool. That's the first thing. If somebody doesn't have that, they can't really do the handstand. Let's look at, uh, you know, the second pillar of this model or framework, mindset. A lot of people don't realize that there's a lot in the mindset behind the handstand. There's this blend of patience, but at the same time, you need to have this fight mentality, right? Not only to keep going with the training when it gets difficult, but also to sometimes not give up when you're upside down in the handstand and be able to fight for it. Okay, so we might spend a session talking about mindset, still do a little bit of practice or training, but also really dive into ways to think about this handstand journey. Cool, that's the second pillar. Let's look at the third one. Now that we have the wrist, shoulder, and joint prep going and the, we've done some work on the mindset, maybe we're moving into our fourth or fifth session together and we're working on the kick up, which is practicing kind of how we throw the legs up over our, our hands in this sort of scissor fashion. And then the cartwheel out of it, right? With the cartwheel out of it, it's basically so that you don't fall flat on your back. You learn to sort of pivot out of the handstand. That's a prerequisite to go any further. So we spend three sessions on that, the kick up, the cartwheel out. At the same time, we get to circle back, touch in on the wrist, shoulder, and joint prep, a little bit of uh, conversation around the mindset, and we're in the third module. Great. Let's say this takes a couple sessions. 
we get to move into the fourth pillar, strength and endurance. This one might take a while. So in this pillar, we might expect that there's four or five weeks worth of work, four sessions a week. So I'm going to write a program out and I'm going to give them the program and I'm only going to see them once a week with it. Okay. Or they might send me some video. This is the fourth part of the mod, the model or the framework strength and endurance. Okay. Finally, we have the balance, right? Strength and endurance. They might be doing their handstands, leaning against a wall, something like that. In the balance one, we're working the balance off the wall. So we're using different drills all together. We're spotting them. We're supporting them out in the middle of the floor. And then they're trying to do the handstand as well. And this might take anywhere from, you know, two months to eight months or 12 months while they're still working back on the other parts of the model. But we can't practice this balance bit if we haven't looked at the wrist prep, the mindset, the kick up, this cartwheel out, and a little bit of strength and endurance. So what we have here is a nice map that points us towards what it's going to take for someone to learn to do the handstand. Okay, so let's reflect back into uh, where we're at. We can we can look at our content. We can look our, our marketing. Sorry, we can look at our delivery, and we can look, can look at our sales process or re-enrollment process all together through the model. Let's have a quick look at the first one, marketing. If I take each of those pillars in my model, I can break it down into say three subsections, right? Let's look at mindset. We, we talked about two aspects. We talked about uh, this fight mentality to be able to keep going and stay consistent with your training. Uh, we talked about, uh, well, let's talk about patience, right? And let's talk about uh, resilience, right? Not, not giving up, okay? Not giving up with your practice. Those are a little bit messy the way I described them, but you get the idea. We've got three subsections for mindset. So when I look at my marketing, I can take any one of those three and I can create some content. Here's a post, right? Do you find that you tend to give up with your handstand training right as you start to get close to finding balance, right? And I can tell a story. I know I did, right? Like I remember when I got towards, you know, the first time I could, you know, almost get a minute and I, I'd keep giving up, right? So maybe I talk about the importance of patience. And so I get to go through each of these five things, five sections of my model or framework if I broke them down to three or four bits each, I have a whole bunch of clear content ideas that I can use in my marketing. The only step I need to do is to reframe it into something that they're struggling with, right? So something, a challenge or a desire that the potential client or the prospect has. Let's look at balance. One of the drills in balance is called the heel pull where you come off the wall with your heels. Cool. I could say, look, are you confident on the wall and your kick up in the handstand, but are you struggling to get the first five seconds of balance? If that sounds like you, try this. This is my favorite drill to do it. It's called a heel pull. I like to do four or five sets and I like to do 10 to 12 repetitions each set. When I'm doing them, this is what I'm thinking about, right? 
elevating my shoulders, eyes on the ground, and being subtle with my movements off the wall. Cool, there's a ton of value in that post or that piece of uh, content marketing. And I've got plenty more where that came from because all I have to do is look back to the model. Great, so we can see how it's a really simple way to communicate with the people that we seek to serve because they're gonna be somewhere along this customer journey. All right, in my delivery, it gets really nice because while the particular person, each individual human is different, they're gonna have different considerations, different questions, different bodies physically, uh, we still get to look back at this model and check in and go, look, okay, where are we on here? Okay, if we're feeling like we're really getting stuck on the endurance and on the strength, maybe we need to loop back and just check on the positioning, right? And the wrist and the shoulders that we covered in the first stage. Make sure that the positioning is nice because when the positioning is nice, it's gonna make the endurance a little bit easier it's going to make the balance a little bit easier as well, which is coming up next. So in my delivery, I have a framework. I have a map to step through. Now, when I get a, a colleague and I, I hire somebody or I develop my business and I have more teachers, we get to share this framework together. That's really powerful because then we know that we're teaching along a similar map, even though we're gonna bring our own individual nuances in, right? You might play ACDC, I might play hip hop in the background, you might teach in a way that's a little bit more strict, I might be a little bit more patient, whatever it is. But we both have this agreed upon uh, framework that we've seen work over the last you know, five years together. It creates consistency it creates a promise in our service. Uh, finally, in the sales, I think that's the third one we haven't covered. Let's have a quick look. If we're in a sales conversation, you know, one of the big things is to, to diagnose where the prospect is at or where the person's at. So if somebody reaches out and they're like, hey, I'd love to learn more about the handstand. I'm really struggling with my balance. I get to say, cool, well, I, let's let's set up a 15 minute call, okay? A little call and I will run through it and see where you're at and see if I can help you. Or I could direct them to a survey or an application form or a questionnaire on my website, which asked a series of questions. And what I'm getting to do in that process is figure out where in this model they, they're at and if I can even help them. A great example would be if they already can do a 30 second balance, I'm not even potentially gonna serve them because they are falling outside of the model that I've created and I would probably refer them out to someone who could maybe help them with further progressions in their practice, right? Because it may not be something that fits into my model or my system nicely, okay? so. It allows me to be very clear in the sales process, understand if we're a great fit, bring value in that conversation, point them towards resources that they could use to create more value and invite them into the opportunity. So create the invitation or as Zig Ziglar says, always ask for the order. At the end of the conversation or the inquiry, I get to say, would you like me to help you? We can see where you're at based on the conversation 
this fits in really nicely with the framework that we have. It looks like it could take you, you know, this amount of time or this is what you could expect. Um, I'd love to help you on that journey. Uh, if you're open to it, this is something we've done with lots of people in the past. Here's some social proof, right? So the model is very clear and helps with the sales process. Uh, we talked about at the beginning, um, my friend and, and um, previous client from last year who's implemented this model out into the open has really seen a lot of results. And we see this over and over again, right? Now, there's a couple of things we need to cover before we wrap up. When you're using the models, uh, and this is important because we see this a lot, uh, you need to have tested the model, right? This needs to actually be something that makes sense and uh, is true in reality. Okay, so if I'm going to sail a boat from Australia to New Zealand, I need a map. The map is not the territory. The map is the map. But the map needs to have been proven to be true, right? It needs to actually generally show the lay of the land, the depths, the currents, where you know New Caledonia is and where the reefs are, right? I don't, I, I, I can't just project a map out there and hope for the best. We need to have tested it, okay? So if you're brand new, the, big, the biggest thing is to get the hours in, get the work in, get the, the writing or the teaching or the service, whatever you're doing, get the time in so that you can learn or create a model. A lot of people are going uh, to be given or learn or taught a model from their teacher. Okay, so, you know, we talked about hand sense today. Uh, if I was going to teach this to somebody, I would be heavily borrowing from my previous mentors who shared their model with me or their ideas or frameworks with me. So a lot of times when you're learning, you're going to get this from your teacher or from a mentor, okay? Uh, and that's part of the role of the mentor, someone who's been there before, is not necessarily to tell you how to do something, but to help you with models and frameworks that they found useful that you might find useful also, okay? So you need to not only have, uh, have, have seen that the model works, but you need to test it to know that it works for you and that you have belief in it as well. Because we know, for example, in the sales and marketing processes that these, this concept of belief is super important. Uh, number two, the model isn't the actual thing. We need to remember this. You need to be flexible, of course, in your marketing, your sales, your delivery. A great example in the marketing is you could use storytelling around one of those insights and Tell a little bit of a story that goes off track a little bit, but is flexible and, and shares what you found about that stage of the journey. And it might not directly fit with your model, but that's okay because the story is true and the stories help to communicate a message, right? Uh, number three, the model is essentially a way of reducing complexity, okay? So we need to remember this. There's different models or frameworks for copywriting. And that's a, another example we could look at. One of the beauties of these is that it helps us to reduce the complexity in writing copy, right? Which is really helpful because if you're gonna do marketing, it can feel complicated for people. When we use a model, it can reduce that complexity 
make it easier, right? And this is a big part of what we're looking to do, not just for you and your delivery uh, to build confidence, but also for the people that you want to serve. They want to feel that it's not an overwhelming amount of complexity in whatever they're going to do with you. Okay, so the, the final one is um, uh, you can have models and frameworks for any part of your business, okay? Any part of your business, sales, marketing, how you deliver a class, you can have particular models or frameworks for each of these. And I think it's a great idea. I think if you don't, uh, then you're potentially left to how you feel on the day. And that can be a dangerous thing for some people. So I think models are great. Uh, and I guess the last point is that in a sense, the model being based off of the way things have been done in the past is closely tied into what's called path dependence. So what we need to be careful of is that we don't just stick to a model forever, that we're constantly back checking it based off of what we see in reality and what's working so that we can continue to develop the model if that's helpful, if that improves the work, okay? I think on a final note, you know, a lot of people uh, want to be, might say that they want to be, do things more intuitively or more express themselves more freely. Uh, we see this a lot with copywriting and with writing. A lot of people are hesitant with models and frameworks. Um, but I think the thing to recognize is that, you know, there's a bit of a spectrum here and that energy uh, needs structure and structure needs energy. Both of them support each other. So what I would suggest is to give, if you don't have this yet, look at your work, look at the historical results of the people you've served, look at uh, the journey of the customer see if you can notice a framework or a model that's powerful for you, start to uh, impl implement it, test it out, and just see if it helps because you may be surprised. Uh, as per this example of my friend who introduced the model out into the open, although it was behind the scenes, brought it out more publicly and saw massive increases in sales very quickly, right? So it could be, you know, Again, this could be, you might be very early in your journey and sort of not realizing that something like this could be so helpful. Or you might be further along and have, have been refining your craft over the past three to five years and, and realize that now you've got the data set to look back at the results of the people you've served, you know, the last thousand hours or whatever it might be and see based off of your notes or your client notes where things changed how you can crystallize that into a bit of a framework and then how you can communicate this through your marketing your delivery your sales and how this might make things easier all right that's it for today have a fantastic day and we'll see you on the next episode thanks for listening